It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. There's lots to get to when it comes to Joe Madden on this particular Madden Monday because Major League Baseball gets that 67-page report with all of the different safety measures in it. And you got to think that, A, the number one concern amongst not only the owners, but all the players, of course, is the player safety. So we'll get to that when Joe Madden checks into the Sports Lodge. And don't forget, Team Lally, a proud sponsor of Madden Mondays. Hey, Halo Hawks. It's time for Madden Monday with Angels manager Joe Madden and Sports Lodge host Roger Lodge. Here is the three-time manager of the year, two-time World Series champ, the man who broke the 108-year curse of a billy goat, for goodness gracious sakes. And, man, has he come a long way since growing up on Carson Street in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. Here is Angel manager Joe Madden. How are you, Skipper? I'm good, brother. How you doing, man? I'm, I'm doing great, and thanks for jumping on. I don't know if you uh, heard me introduce you there, but I mentioned growing up on Carson Street in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Hey, Joe, give me a couple of your fondest memories of being a kid and growing up on good old Carson Street back home in Hazleton. Well, actually, um, I grew up on 11th in Carson, kind of, and my mom grew up her whole life on Carson Street. My granddaughter's named Carson. Uh, my best, some of my best memories there is the hill between Carson and Cybert Street. It's really severe, and in the winter time, I don't know how many how many years we did it, but we got an old car hood. You get a, you get a hood off of a car, and you start at the top of this hill, and my poor kids get in the hood, <laughs> and it's going down this hill at warp speed, and it's like like Dixie cups. You can't control it, and then eventually hits a telephone pole, and kids go flying everywhere. So that was. That was absolute fun. I mean, we were really, the stuff we did, you know, if your mom saw you do it, if I saw my kids doing it, if I saw my grandkids doing it, I would go insane. Uh, that was great. And then there was a place called the Mile Rocks. They're still there. They're, they're actually this uh, formation of rocks right behind our house, literally, I don't know, uh, sandwich, a little bit more than a sandwich away. And we would climb them. You climb them. And uh, there was different parts of it. It was a challenge, more of a challenge. And it's like they're high. I don't know, 25, 30 feet high. For, I don't even know. It's hard to gauge distances going up. But it was like the king and the queen rock. We called him the king and the queen. And T.J. Lennox tried to jump between the king to the queen and missed. And all he got out of it was a broken arm, thank God. But this was like every day. I mean, I, this is, it was the best. All the other playground was right there. <clears throat> we played basketball all day, played baseball all day. Um, it's, it was just insane. I mean, that's the part when I when I, I get upset when I watch the kids don't have today. And all, all we had was pretty much an open area. It's a little supervision, not a lot. I think everything's way over-supervised today. Everything's uh, kids, they look for supervision. They look for ways to do anything as opposed to utilizing their own creativity outside. These are creativity inside. I mean, out in the field, they're working, you know, messing with other kids or people uh it was the best, man. And that's, that's, if I have one wish, it would be the kids that are going up there now. 
and have a chance to grow up like I did. Hey, Joe, it sounds like you were a lot like us when we were kids. We would, especially during the summer, we would get up in the morning, have a little breakfast, leave the house. Our parents had no idea where we were, and we didn't come home till it was dark outside. Those were the days, Joe. Yeah, again, uh, Teasy's Lennox dad had the best whistle. Uh, He'd whistle, everybody had to go home. He'd say, you know, a certain time to hear the whistle. You'd be be like a mile away to hear that whistle. Uh, But we did. We never went home. You only went home if you got hurt. Bleeding a little bit, something like that. You got to go home, get it wiped off. But otherwise, you didn't. And your parents never worried about it. It's great. If we got in trouble, we used to have to deal with my mother, and she had a cook spoon that you did not want to have anything to do with if you did something really stupid. If a little Joe Madden did something, shall we say, questionable, how would Beanie deal with you? Wooden spoon. Wooden spoon, and she was really good at, at uh, holding her anger because she'd be like about 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I would do something really upset her, right? She'd wait till like 7 o'clock and I was in the bathtub naked and come in there with the spoon and get me. I mean, how you know, you have to have some great self-discipline as a mom to be able to do that. And then she'd throw things at me. She'd throw shoes at me. Hey, listen, I deserved it. Absolutely deserved it. Um, and, uh, you know, I got over it. Uh, I knew she loved me. <laughs> But I also knew I was screwing up. So it's pretty much a wooden spoon or, or a thrown object. Sounds to me like Beanie and Helga came from the same yeah. old school, man. Joe Madden, That's manager the of the time. Angels here on a Madden Monday. So, Joe, since last time we spoke last Monday, what's taken up most of your time? Okay. Um, well, a lot of this, you know, a lot of staying in shape, a lot of bike rides, uh, cooking on dinners. Um, I'm back in HGTV, things like that. But uh, the big thing, I'm getting a little bit more serious about what's going on right now. Um, you know, with the recent um, unveiling of protocol uh, coming back and kind of a vague outline where we are going to come back. Um, I used my um, chat the other day with the coaches to uh, give them, uh, you know, a little bit greater sense of that this, this is going to occur right around this time frame. So we got to start uh, putting our brains back together because it's going to be an emotion. It's going to be all about emotion when we get there. It's going to be emotion. It's going to be, it's going to be weird. It's going to be strange. How do you deal with this? All these new rules and regulations to mess with. And then we're going to have to play baseball. So I want us to start working on the emotional component now. So we get in there and hit the ground running. We know, you know, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. It's going to be awkward. All these feelings, everything's going to be different. So you got to get rid of that quickly and get it back to normalcy as quickly as you can. And then also got in touch with uh, Mickey Calloway and Matty Wise specifically, the pitching coaches. And I wanted to start an outline regarding um, what this would look like if we had this many days to do it. And then I, just, I actually myself started the schedule, which I normally don't do, but this is something I've done in the past. And uh, I don't want to just lay it off on our guys that, you know, they're, they're doing – Spring trainings for the first time on four or five fields. Now you got to do it on one. I didn't think that was fair. So I jumped in there a little bit with that. I'm, I'm kind of interested with this right now. So I'm more into the planning mode. Uh, it's a more in the foreseeable future mode. And now i got to start uh, rattling the cages a little bit more. Let me circle back to the safety precautions that Major League Baseball issued a couple of days ago. So basically you got mm-hmm. things like no high-fiving, no fist bumping, no hugging, no sunflower seeds, no chewing tobacco. Which of those bands will affect you, Joe Madden, the most? You know, the hug. I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. Um, with a handshake, the hug, the fist pump, that kind of stuff. Uh, 
chewing tobacco, I stopped in the year 2000. I chewed for 25 years and then stopped cold turkey. Um, sunflower seeds only when I'm starving. You like put a seed in my mouth. And I got it. That's just because I didn't do a good job before the game. So a lot of this stuff to me, um, you know, on paper, it looks kind of, in some ways, daunting. Or like, wow, it's going to be so different. But it's not. I think after a week, um, there's going to be certain parts of this protocol that I think are going to be dealt with more leniently than others. I think there's going to be some that are going to be considered more uh, definitely absolutes that have to be abided by. So I think that's all going to be felt after one week, and they'll be able to get into the rhythm of the whole thing. I think it's, that's what it's going to take, man. We're going to, like I said, it's going to be emotional. It's going to be different. There's going to be a certain amount of time getting used to it. And there's going to be a lot of more conversations than I normally have with the group. I'm already uh, anticipating that. So I think all of that stuff, in order to get us ready, whatever that start date is, to make sure by the time we get to that start date, uh, these guys are feel very good and very comfortable about our process and that they feel very good that they're ready to play. Did any of the specific mm-hmm. measures seem a bit unrealistic to you? No, I mean, listen, when you're writing a, a rule book like that for the first time, I think we just have to be cooperative. Like I said, I, I think a lot of it will be negotiable as we get as we get going. Right. Um, you know, the thing about distancing from a from fielders in between pitches. I mean, these are the kind of things that, again, optically they look great, they sound great, but in actuality, very difficult, but almost impossible to do. I mean, I think there's an optical component to this also that needs to be satisfied, and uh, I think that's that's part of it. And I get it; we all get it. So let's do that. Work from that sheet of music. Make right adaptations as we get going. And I'm also counting on the fact that things are going to get better uh, medically. Uh, what's being researched, what's being found out, what we're able to do. I think I really have a lot of confidence and faith in that. So, what is today? Uh, what's today's date? The 17th, 18th. 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 Okay, so that's two more weeks in this month. By the time we actually get to playing the game, if in fact it's going to be July, I expect a lot of progress by then. When you talk about staying six feet apart from each other discouraging showering after games. I mean, it kind of has the feel of a Sunday beer league. Uh, does this have the potential to be welcomed and embraced by the players or ridiculed and rejected? What do you, what do you think? The, I know you can only speak on how you feel about these things right yeah. now, but what, what's your sense of how the players will accept this? Well, I think the shower component's got to be uh, thought about a little bit more. I mean, listen, these guys are out there playing, and it's a long day. And a lot of them take showers before the games, too. So they come there and work. They go through their work, and then before they go out to actually play the game, there's a lot of that involved. Guys like to clean up before they go out there, too. It's just it's a ritual. Again, it's a, it's a habit. So that's the part of it. Out of all the uh, stuff that I've read about, the hygienic stuff that i read about, that would be tough to do. Unless, like you're saying, it's good. this could evolve into, uh, I, I actually say, evolve into a beer league. <laughs> I mean, American <laughs> Legion Ball, which I advocate on an annual basis. So um, if it does become that, that'll be rather fascinating to me, too. Uh, listen, I, I was told I team, my team had a shower at the hotel in Wausau, Wisconsin, and I got upset. Um, no, excuse me. They, they told us we had a shower at the ballpark, and I made them shower at the hotel because the ballpark uh, clubhouse floor was made of dirt. It was a dirt floor. So, I mean, I've been in all these different uh, methods where you either shower at the hotel or you must show at the ballpark to see more professional. And then I remember the diet times in Boulder, Colorado, playing for the Collegians and semi-pro ball, and Wayne Kritricki would show up at 1245 for a 105 game with a 
McDonald's uh, egg McMuffin on the bench, a cup of coffee, and you go out there and get three line drives, right? So it's like, come on. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping that we find out a lot of stuff that, you know, we do do a lot of things that I think are necessary that possibly can even be adding to injury just by repetition of practice that I think has gone a little bit overboard. So who knows? I'm all for it. Listen, if you talk about making, trying new things on the field, I mean, in game, I'm, I'm cool about trying new things pregame. Will Joe Madden, manager of the Angels, put his uniform on at home and then get in the car and drive to the yard? I'd love to. I would absolutely love to. <laughs> I have no issue with that whatsoever. Just um, that's the only part about that is if you broke down on the freeway, that'd be kind of tough. You gotta you know, <laughs> make sure that your car's running well. Otherwise, it you know it can't turn into this uh, fast on the side of the four hundred five slash twenty two doing the work. Um, yeah, it's it. I, I have listen for all that stuff. None of that bothers me, even in the least. Uh, not not at all. I I, I know uh, I'll get a lot of disagreement with that, but whatever it takes to play and play the game uh, according to the to the rules in place. I'm talking about those that permit us to play in the first place, the uh, pertaining to medical component. I'm in. I'll do it. I have no issue with that. Um, again, the players have a different thing, man. They. they they're going to get sweatier than I am. They're going to get dirtier than I am. And then they're going to have to go home. And then you think about just getting in your car all dirty, right? I mean, you got a nice car, you get into it with mud all over. I mean, it, these, these are the kind of things that are going to, are going to pop up as we roll it along. So I think the shower thing somehow uh, can be fixed. And uh, by the way, the commissioner says players can opt out if they don't feel safe. So have you and Billy Epler mm-hmm. had any conference calls or Zooms or any contact with your players yet to get a sense on how they're feeling? Um, you know, we, we've, uh, no, I mean, not Billy and I together. Uh, we've done, like I said, uh, I was just talking to Bussy, uh, our vice president stuff before this phone call. We're working on a, putting a Zoom together with the pitchers right now. Pitchers first and then position players. Um, Mickey Callaway's been talking to the guys a lot, and I've been talking to the coaches a lot. Uh, my feedback that I'm getting from the coaches that I'm asking them to get from the players, I'm not hearing anything negative. I don't, um, I don't hear anything like, um, this is crazy. We don't want to do it. I, I don't see how we can do any of this. I'm worried about my family. I'm not hearing any of that. So I would have heard that by now, I believe, among the, uh, the chain that we got going on. But, yes, we're going to start touching it more closely now that it's, like I said, uh, the dates are becoming more real. We're going to get a more real response now. I think it's when it's so far out and so far away, you really have no idea you're going to do this or not. I think the way you think and how you uh, can approach this uh, would be varied as compared to when the 11th hour starts to approach, and then you get all different kinds of information. So I think now's the time to start, like I said, that time to get up a bit. What was your take, if you heard, uh, Blake Snell of the Rays was basically saying, no, I'm not uh, taking any revenue share. I, I want my full whatever is owed to me. Uh, what was mm-hmm. your uh, take when you heard his comments? Like I said before, man, I'm, I'm all for my players um, expressing themselves. Regardless if I agree or disagree, I want them to feel like they can say what's on their mind. So from the perspective, I know you know maybe how he said it, uh, you know, the exact words probably offended some people. And then I've also read where the, um, uh, the, the, the need of it, a lot of people agreed with. So there's, there's, there's all of this. And sometimes, you know, it's the, the difference between the right word and the wrong word. is kind of like the difference between lightning and the lightning bug. 
I mean, somehow you express yourself in a way that it just comes across wrong, even though maybe a lot of people share your opinion. So, uh, again, and I'm not trying to get on this question because he's got, he says what he has to say, and I respect that. I do. Um, so now, um, as it moves forward, he has to answer to his comments. And I think other players, I think I've read Arenado's already tried to uh, diffuse it a bit. So, uh, again, I think he's saying some things that guys actually do feel. Maybe said it in a different way. But as we move closer and as more people chime in and then he gets an opportunity to talk to more folks, I, I would bet that the, uh, uh, the content shifts a little bit. Let me go back to a couple of your guys. What kind of updates and reports are you getting as far as Shohei Otani as he comes back from Tommy John surgery? How's his rehab and how are his, uh, you know, bullpens going? Good. I actually watched one a couple of days ago. Um, he threw, I mean, ball coming out hot. He looked really good playing catch. Um, just watched him go through his agility stuff. Really good. Um, There's no no limitations whatsoever. He looked He looked normal. He looks fine. He's not holding back. Uh, he is very eager to get rolling. Um, so my report is that he looked normal to me and looked very good. Same question regarding Griffin Canning. Yeah, beautiful man. Uh, he also looked very good. Uh, both of them through on that particular day that I went down there and, uh, I impressive man. I'm telling you, these are, these are high end major league starters, brother, uh, in either league, um, at any time of the year and definitely in the playoffs. So if we do get back to baseball, how does this affect a young prospect like, let's say, Joe Adele, as far as getting his time at the big league level? That's going to be that's that's exactly part of the discussions right now. How do you do that? And that's going to blend into numbers permitted, and then the numbers that you're permitted to carry outside of an active roster. Um, you know, guys like him absolutely going to fill in in those spots or in the active roster. Uh, you have to really, I think, pay attention to your better players right now, whoever you perceive them to be. And you might actually take a chance moving somebody up sooner, putting them in that 50 category, whatever the number is going to be, and put them, even if he's not going to start for you, but at least put him on your taxi squad. So certain people are getting reps that you want to get reps and not sit all and miss a whole season of development. So I think there's going to be a different um, method of uh, bringing along young players right now, and you're going to see some maybe youngsters sooner rather than later based on um, the situation and how it presents right now. Have you had any conversations yet with uh, the guy that plays center field for you? No, uh, actually I'm going to do it in about an hour. Uh, we're doing a virtual cocktail party. He and I have gone back texting wise a bit and uh, not recently in the, you know, as this thing just really started up, uh, but he and I are going to do a virtual cocktail party. There's somebody else involved too. Today's the, tonight's the test run at 5 o'clock, and then tomorrow night is actual season. I'm pretty sure it's angel season ticket holders. I know the last one was like over 700 people on it. I've done two already. This is the third one. Last time I was out there with uh, Fletch, and uh, that uh, Fletch and uh, Ty Butcher, great job. They both did a great job. So it's 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 uh, Michael today, and gosh, I can't remember. Who, Jay Upton, I think. Jay Upton is going to be with us today, so I'll get a chance to visit them a little bit today. Okay, Joe, so what is your message for Angel fans as far as getting back to baseball at some point? Uh, message is just to remain optimistic. I am very optimistic. Um, obviously, a lot of this is tied into 
I think a lot of the states that are opening up right now and giving more latitude and how those all turn out over the next couple of weeks probably may have some impact. Uh, but I, I have a lot of faith in, in the group, and I don't think we would have gotten to this point had we not gotten good information or intel in front of it. So, um, yeah, I, I would be optimistic. I, like I said, I am. Um, so um, from what I'm hearing, what you've all been hearing, is if we can get something in order by the first part of Jan- uh, June to get guys together. It's going to take – it's been pretty much consensus. It's three weeks to a month to get these pitchers ready, and so that's going to have to be – uh, figured out somehow too. So all the stuff you've been reading is, is fairly, is pretty accurate. Uh, and now there's the, the, the uh, crossing of the T's, dotting of the I's. Uh, and once things get to the point where we can really uh, know that things are coming together, then we can specifically set a date. Uh, obviously, it'll uh, become more clear. So that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Great. Hey, before I let you go, uh, a lot yes, of people, Joe, say that you know. They go to college, they pick a major, and they enter that field in life, and, you know, they major in one thing and end up sometimes going in a completely different direction. So my question for you is, how does that English major of yours at Lafayette College, how has that helped you the most during your baseball career? Here's what I tell you about that. I mean, when you say English major, I think it's your ability to express yourself. And I also believe in order to... um, you know, accomplish something like that. You got to read a lot, right? You got to read. Um, I am such a proponent of reading, and I, I really do believe um, if there's one skill or or hobby or whatever you want to give to your kids growing up, is to read, read books, and read books often. Um, it opens up your mind. It opens up your imagination. Um, it permits you um, to to take these little voyages. And I really, I, I believe in visualization. So there's things that you can see possibly in advance. I, as an example, a book by James Michener called The Drifters, where a bunch of kids went over Europe down to Mozambique and back and they hung out at Tormolinos in the Costa del Sol of Spain, which I still need to get to. They drove around in a pop-top Volkswagen bus. And I, you know, that was, that made an indelible impression on me and wanting to get to Europe, get to, I've been to Spain, I've uh, been to Barcelona, but I've not been to, uh, Toro Molinas yet. Um, so you read books like that, could just keep going, man. I mean, Michener was really, Michener's uh, prose, and then there's people like, well, probably Michener more than, even though I love Pat Conroy, not as much uh, lesson uh, or uh, descriptive kind of uh, writing that made me want to go there and do that, where whatever I read with Michener, Centennial, uh, the Caribbean, his book Caribbean is outstanding the source about the kibbutz system and, and there's a, I mean, you, it makes you want to go there. And that's what he did for me. So reading opens up your mind, opens up your imagination. I really wish that every kid uh, created the habit of reading. I'm so going to play that sound back for my 13 year old daughter who I'm, who I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to get Allie to read more and I'm going to play all of that mm. back. Joe, last question, I promise. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. hear me out here. Okay. And with all due respect to everyone involved, I want to ask you this as mm-hmm. you watched the documentary, you know, the last dance and last night was the final episodes, nine and 10. And the fact that Jerry Krause explicitly stated on numerous occasions that 97, 98 would be Phil's last dance with the bulls. And, Oh, was that was that something that resonated with you? Because I want to t- I'll tell you why I'm asking. Because 
Huh? You were 471 and 339 and a winning percentage of 581 your five seasons in Chicago. You won 92 more, uh, 92 or more games, four out of the five seasons you were there. You broke the curse of the Billy Coat. You won the first World Series title in 108 years. Yet, you started your last year in Chicago without a contract extension. At, at some point, does it get to be kind of an insult? Well, you know, if you, if you lay it out like that, obviously it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, I, I just think that's, and, I, and like when I'm watching this last dance, you know, what Jerry wanted to do there, and, and Reinsdorf too, who I have a lot of respect for Jerry Reinsdorf. He and I have become friends. Um, you know, from a business perspective, they thought it was wise to go this route. So they weren't really talking about winning because I know Jordan felt as though they had a shot at another one if they all took lesser contracts and continued to play. Um, I think there's a, an innate component of uh, front offices that they they need to get involved, and their involvement only occurs primarily involves involvement occurs a lot of times with the rebuild, and when they get this opportunity to go out there and, and uh, shine it up in their way again. So um, after all that success there, and I don't even know what the amount of money would have had to have been paid out. Um, so probably from that perspective, they had to do it. And with us, with the Cubs. Um, you know, uh, there's so many guys coming uh, ripe right now among the players and myself. I know my contract is kind of heavy for a manager based on today's market. So there's a lot of stuff there that totally exceeds, um, you know, the win-loss record, which, I'll be like you said, I'll put it up against anybody's. So um, there's a lot more driving factors, of course, is beyond records when it comes to uh, organizations and front offices doing what they think they need to do in order to sustain over a period of time. But it also, I think, it permits them to get reinvolved and, and rebranded in their image and likeness. Yeah. <clears throat> By the way, that 581 winning percentage, you had as Cubs manager a higher winning percentage than Bobby Cox with the Braves, Tony La Russa with Oakland or St. Louis, Sparky with the Tigers, or Bruce Bochy with the Giants. And by the way, not to mention the fact that every year you were there, they averaged well over 3 million fans every season you were there. You brought an excitement to that team. Did that mean a lot to you? You, you kind of rejuvenated the city when it came to baseball. Well, I loved every second of it. Uh, like I said before, I'm so grateful for that opportunity. I'm telling you, man, you get up, and I, I, I had my different cars. I had my station wagon there for a bit. I had my van there. I had my Chevelle there. I'm driving down Lakeshore on my ponies at the ballpark. And you go down Lakeshore after I just ridden my bike on it, the weather was good enough. And you get off there at uh, Urban Park and you get over, you zigzag over to the ballpark and you enter through the lot and you walk from left field and Waveland. And there's Wrigley Field, man. <laughs> and it's just, this is absolute jewel among the city. It's in a neighborhood. It's a neighborhood ballpark and it's magnificent. And the history and the way the fans are, the fans just love them. They love their Cubs, man. And then I get to work there every day. And you get treated like gold uh, from ownership on the, all the way down. So uh, I'm, I'm very, I mean this, I'm so fortunate to have had that opportunity. I got that, I got that in the memory bank, man. And uh, something I'll never forget and I'm very grateful for. And uh, it's, it's, it's tough to beat the five-year run that we had there in Chicago. And hopefully we can get that going down on State College and Catella. Joe Madden. Oh, we are. Madden. We are. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Love it, man. Hey, Joe, as always, I, I know I probably kept you too long. I'm going to get in trouble, but it was so worth it because you were absolutely awesome today. Thanks so much for checking in for another Madden Monday. You got it, brother. You be well. Best to your daughter. 
<laughs> I'm going to get her to read, Joe. I'm going to play her yeah, that get, sound hey, from you. I'm telling you, man, all kids. I, I'll, I'll talk about something else. I, was, I just wanted to start an initiative in Chicago. We had it going on, and then we had to leave. So we'll talk about it next time. Yeah, let's do that. We'll get it going here in Orange County and all over Southern California. Thank you, Joe. I right, that be well, man. You do the same. That's Joe Madden, Angel Manager, right here in the Sports Lodge. Yet another Madden Monday.